All right, good evening. It's good to see everyone out. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to preach. If I can, uh, if I can preach to you guys like I can to the empty, empty chairs, then we'll do good tonight. So it doesn't mean act like empty chairs. We can laugh, okay? We can say amen. So um, our text tonight is going to be in Philippians four. So you can go ahead and turn there. Philippians 4. While you're turning there, I just want to update you on my life. Uh, some of you know, but if you don't, I've spent the last two to three months in Colorado, like Pastor said, um, fluorescent Colorado at Peak View Baptist Church. I've been interning there, doing just about everything. It's a, it's a small church, so lots of opportunities, lots of life experience, and it's been a, it was a good time there, uh, a time of growth for me. And I uh, got back last Sunday and was here Monday for VBS, and we worked all all week at VBS, so it's been a busy, busy time. Thanks for everyone uh, who helped at VBS, by the way. It was, it was good. It was successful. Pastor said we had two saved, and um, that makes it worth it. So, uh, again, it's good to be back, and, and it's a good thing that every time I come back, there's new faces, and something's different about the building. That means there's growth, and, and we're growing. We're not staying idle. It's a blessing to see. Uh, I love this church. Love the people here, and and I just want to thank you for all your constant support, and thank you for listening to me for 30 minutes. So we'll try to do our best here. Um, if we're in Philippians 4, I'm going to go ahead and begin our reading. Our text tonight is going to be chapters 4, verses 6 through 9. Um, 6 through 9, so I'm going to start reading at verse 6 there. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I'm going to open up in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come out tonight and come to church and fellowship. Thank you for this church family that, that you blessed us with, Lord. And um, Just speak through me tonight. Don't have me say nothing that you wouldn't want me to say, Lord. And, and uh, my words alone mean nothing. So, so speak through me and, and use me in a way that only you can tonight, Lord. And, um, please pray for hearts to be open and receptive. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, my title today is Overcoming Fear with Peace. Overcoming Fear with Peace. How many of us have been worried today? It's, it's pretty safe to assume that um, a lot of us have experienced worry in our life before. Some of us um, worry about making payments or, or how are you going to pay your car bill or your house bill. And <clears throat> I, I know pastors have been worried before because uh, I made sure of that in my teenage years that, that he was worried. Um, I, I know mom's been worried before because when I was born, they looked at me and was ah, what's that? You know, we've been so so we've we've worried my parents. I know them, but I can assume everyone in here's been worried before. We know what we know what that's like, um, one way or another. Walter Kelly said this about worry: worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's trouble. A dense fog that covers a seven-city block area, 100 feet deep, is composed of less than one glass of water, divided into 60,000 million drops. Not much is there, but it can cripple an entire city. When I don't have anything to worry about, I begin to worry about that. 
Paul in our text today had a lot of reasons to be worried. Um, one of the reasons was there was a lot of division in the church of Philippi. That's where uh, the book of Philippians obviously was written to the church of Philippi. And, and that was a reason for Paul to be worried. Um, and, and that's really what verses 1 through 5 in our text tonight, it's not in our text, but uh, in the chapter that we're reading from, that's really what, what Paul is starts off with dealing with was division in the church. He, he points out two names that uh, were having disputes um, in the church of Philippi. But, but this would have caused worry in Paul. Um, I, I've seen it firsthand, the worry that uh, division in a church can cause a pastor. Uh, I've, I've, dad's a pastor. I've worked along past, alongside pastors. Um, it can cause stress. It can cause worry. And, and Paul wasn't a, a pastor, but he did have a, a pastoral love for this church and, and for the churches he was um, advising. And, and you see this in verse 1. He he talks about them being his joy and, and his crown. And so Paul loved this church. And so disputes in, in this church would have certainly affected him. He, he had cause to be worried. And, and doing research at this same time that the disputes were going on in, in the church of the Philippians, um, the church of Rome was having disputes. And this was in 62 AD, if you want to look into this yourself. So, so Paul was kind of dealing with both of these churches having disputes and it could have been because of this, because um, from in my studies, from this time, from what I from what I could gather, this was a time that the church was on the precipice of facing more opposition, and so the church was was just now beginning to face more adversity, and and um, and because of this, this 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 I mean, this really could have been the reason that uh, the church was were disputing. I don't know; it doesn't say. Um, but, but that was going on, and icing on the cake on top of all of this, all this that's happening in Paul's life, Paul's actually writing this letter, uh, Philippians, from prison. Paul's imprisoned. He's facing charges and possible death. So naturally, Paul would have been worried. With having that context in mind, that makes the nature of this book stick out to me. Um, it, 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 it's, it's interesting because the the thing I found uh, uh, kind of a tad amusing about this book is that everything going on with the Paul and, and, and the church and everything that was happening in Paul's life, with all that going on, Philippians is a joyful letter. It's, it's an encouraging letter. We get a lot of encouraging verses from Philippians. Uh, uh, Philippians 1.21, Philippians 2.1 and 3, Philippians 4.13. We all know that one for... Uh, Sorry, uh, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We all know that verse, you know, basketball players, football players will say it often. And, and so a lot of encouraging verses come from here. So, so when I was reading this, I, I, w- I asked myself, I, I was wondering, I was asking myself and thinking to myself, why did Paul not simply write this letter and, and share his circumstances? And how did he have the mentality of, of not complaining but but, I mean, on the contrary, encouraging and being happy and joyful. How, how is this possible? How did Paul not go to the, right to the Philippians and say, listen, guys, Rome's causing me trouble, and now you guys are too. And, and by the way, I'm in prison right now, and, and I'm still writing to you. Can we just clean our act up? And, but, but he didn't do that. Paul, Paul did not have or, or show an attitude of fear, but faith and trust in God. He offers the church a solution. So, so I asked myself that question. How is that possible? And I'll answer that later in the sermon. So you guys just got to pay attention. You know, we got to stay awake tonight as hard as that might be. I got this thing I'm going to throw at sleeping people. So stay awake. Um, in our text today, we're going to look at how Paul deals with worry and uncertainty going on currently. And we'll look at what his answer was. 
So in verse 6, Paul tells the Philippians that instead of worrying, they should go to God. In the beginning of verse 6, the first sentence there, um, Paul points out the problem. Verse 6 says, be careful for nothing. And that word care for it comes from, um, it's derived from being full of care. That word is, is specifically defined as anxiety, which is in fact worry. This concept of, of having anxiety is not a new thing. We, we live in a world where people use that word anxiety to, to buy drugs and medic, medication, and we live in a world where, where they use that word to, to go to therapists and pay hundreds of dollars a week to, to talk to someone to deal with their anxiety like it just happened, like it's a new thing. The thing is, it's not new. And if you over overthink things and overly worry about things, I'm sure when I asked that question, something came to mind. Welcome to humanity, right? Welcome to humankind. Because it's a natural thing. It's something we all do. Paul was dealing with this all the way in 62 AD. It's, it's always been a problem. And, and some people like to think it's become more of a problem, but I would say it hasn't become more of a problem. More so, the way we diagnose and treat the problem has become more of an issue how we treat the problem has. Um, the different ways we try to come up with worldly solutions ultimately make the problem worse. Now that being said, I'm not saying that anxiety isn't ever a problem, and I'm not saying that severe cases don't exist. That's not what I'm getting at at all. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying what I'm trying to get at here is, is when you try to look at a, a smaller case of anxiety, uh, an issue like that with a worldview, and you take the human nature of worry and you diagnose it as anxiety and you try to look at that solution with a worldview, these are the solutions you find. Drugs, medication, therapists, worldly solutions. The world will tell you to do all these things to find peace. And the problem is these things usually put you on a path to destruction. Luckily in our, in our text today, Paul did not stop with pointing out the problem. In the latter part of verse 6, Paul points out the solution. Paul offers a solution. The solution that Paul offers is not a worldly one. The solution offered is very much a heavenly solution. He says, But in everything, by prayer with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Paul's solution is to bring it to God. Paul doesn't simply leave it at prayer, though. He's too wise for that because, because there is wrong ways to pray and, and, and taking it as prayer on a surface level, um, sometimes when prayer comes, sometimes we, we can all struggle with, um, praying the wrong way, right? Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Pray for this, this, this. Amen. A meaningless prayer. And that's not what prayer was meant to be. So Paul was too wise to leave it at prayer. He gave the steps of prayer. Uh, look at that first word there he uses is prayer. And that word prayer is defined as worship. When we pray, it's a conversation, it's a relationship, and there should be a time of worship, a specific period in your personal time with God to show reverence and adoration to God. Supplication. This word is defined as a petition, a prayer request. Bring your request to God, asking you shall receive. This is another step in prayer that's important. It's important to be specific about your request. Thanksgiving. This is pretty self-explanatory. This word is defined as gratitude and, and, and words of thankfulness. It's giving thanks to God for everything he has done for you. And if you were able to get out, out of bed this morning, then you have a little bit to be thankful for because not a lot of people can say the same thing. And, and if you were born in America in a free country where you can come to church and, and, and serve freely, then you have a lot to be thankful for. It's giving thankfulness to God. And, and, that, and, um, and this is the solution presented for all our worry. And anxiety, it's prayer. That's the action you take. 
And in this next verse, you'll see Paul present the result of that action. Paul tells them by bringing their anxiety and fear to God, they can obtain the peace of God, which will keep their hearts and minds through them. This is in verse 7. He says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. We're going to stop there right now. The peace of God. The peace of God is the solution to this problem of anxiety. You can live a carefree life by simply taking your problems to God. The peace of God is a, is a life without anxiety. It's a life without fear of tomorrow. The peace of God is living a life in reverence to the Lord without being weighed down by the issues of life. It's a life of joy, of satisfaction, no matter your circumstances. Because it's easy to live a life dictated by circumstances, isn't it? Our car breaks down. It's a bad day. Our, our tire pops. It's a bad day. It's not fun. And, and we can let that dictate our attitude and joy. You hit a car going down I-25. Let me tell you, it's a bad day. It's not fun. But, but if, you, if you obtain the peace of God, those problems won't dictate your attitude or joy. And that's why this first action he tells us to take is prayer. It's, it's removing the worry that you have on your shoulders and it's giving it to God. You can be carefree knowing that you brought your situation to God. And no matter what happens, He's in control. Something bad happened, God's in control. Something didn't go your way, bring it to God. God's in control. The reason Paul gave prayer as a solution is because God should be the first person we talk to about things. If something's not going your way, you should talk to God. If you don't know how you're going to pay that bill, you should talk to God. The idea is recognizing that we serve an omniscient, omnipotent God. And because of this, he's in control. He knows what's the best, even when you don't. So recognize those facts and give it to him. Giving it all to God in prayer. That's the idea. In the latter part of 7, um, in the latter part of 7, we'll see this phrase, keeping our hearts and minds through Christ. The Wearsby Commentary says this, from the spiritual point of view, Worry is wrong thinking, the mind, and wrong feeling, the heart, about circumstances, people, and things. Worry is the greatest thief of joy. We dealt with the heart going to God in prayer. and In a minute, we're going to deal with the mind. I want to point out this word through. The word through means moving in one side and out the other side of an opening channel or location. The phrase through Jesus Christ, almost gives me the idea of, of a filter. <clears throat> so you're, you're filtering your hearts, your feelings, and your minds, your thinking, through Jesus. So he, say, so he says that um, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. So Paul gave us the steps to write praying and the effect of it, the heart, and then he gives us the effect of the peace of God filtering through him, the mind, in this next verse, I believe us. He get, in this next verse, I believe he gives us this filter, the specific things to filter it through, the essence of Christ Jesus. Because all these things are Jesus, are they not? Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, lovely, good report. These things are all Jesus. He's all these things. So by filtering through these things, we're really filtering through Christ. But in verse eight, we get that filter. I'm going to go through through each one uh, fairly briefly. Whatsoever things I tr are true. I read this study in my preparation. Dr. Dr. Walter Cabot reported a survey on worry that indicated that only 8% of things that people worried about were legitimate matters of concern. The other 92% were either imaginary, it's like Farmer Joe being abducted by aliens, 
um, never happened. So something you're worried about that, that never even came to fruition um, or involved in matters over which the people had no control of anyway. Something like the government. Things we can't control. Don't focus on things that are out of your control and things that aren't true. Focus on what you know. Because, because in our laps, in our hands, we hold the ultimate truth. And if, and if some of us spend as much time in this truth instead of worrying about things that, that are never even going to come to fruition or worrying about things that we can't control or worrying about things that, that, we, that we have no power over, if some of us spend as much time in this truth as we do online or, or on Facebook and, and looking at things that aren't truth and, and on Instagram and on social media, if we, if we spend as much time in this truth as much, and if we took some of our time from that and, and put our time in this truth and if we, if we spend our time in this truth, then, then we, there's no telling the footprint that we could leave in Brookings, South Dakota through Bible Baptist Church. There's no telling the revival we could bring to this town. There's no telling what we as Christians could do for Christ if we would simply take some of that time and put it in the truth, put it in what we know, and this is the truth. This is what we know. Think on the truth. Think on this truth. Whatsoever things are honest and just. Don't let your mind dwell on dishonest and dishonorable things. Don't let these things control your thought and control your minds. Keep your, mi- keep your minds on things that are respectable. We should not have our thoughts dwelling on crudeness and dishonest things. Keep your thoughts on the just things of life. There are many things that are unjust in this world. The problem is there's not much we can do about it. Instead, So rather than dwell on it and worry and, and give it free access to your mind, think on just things. And can you... Can you see how, how eliminating these things would, would eliminate worry? How using this filter would eliminate worry? It's kind of coming together here. Whatsoever things are pure. We live in a world where this one very much applies today, maybe even more so than then, because with the access to pornography we have, with, with sexual perversion shoved in our faces everywhere we go, and, and with the disgusting literature they even put in, in schools for children, and the homosexuality that's running rampant in our society, and boys want to be girls, and girls want to be boys, and with all this going on, it's easy to, to, to let it corrupt your mind. It's easy to let it have access to your mind. But the problem is it all starts with thoughts. And let me say that again clearer. You won't commit a sin as wretched as an affair or as wretched as sexual immorality if, if you don't, if you stop it before it even enters your thoughts. I understand that's not 100% of the time, but I think it's safe to say for a vast majority this is the case. The Bible says in Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornicators, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. Murder was a thought before it became an act. Theft was an idea before it evolved into an action. Humans act out the condition of their hearts through deeds. Our actions and our lives resemble what we think. What we think. It starts with temptation. You'll think about it before you ever do it. So if you're not thinking about it, you most likely won't do it. And, and that's the point of this. This is something that will destroy your life if you let it. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what position you're in. I've, you're in. I've seen it. Pastors seen it. I'm sure Brother Nick has seen it. College students, youth pastors, pastors, missionaries, letting this plant like a seed in your heart and in your mind. And because of that, it destroys your life. It ruins your life and ruins what you can do for God. If we think on things that are pure, that means the, that means the entertainment we can uh, consume should be pure. What we watch on TV will affect our mind. What we listen to will affect our mind. So next time you're listening to music, ask yourself, is this pure? Next time you're watching that movie, ask yourself, is this pure? And for any of these things, is this lovely? Whatsoever things are lovely and of good report. 
Don't base your thoughts on things of this corrupt world that we live in. The music you listen to, the movies you watch, and we already said this, but we just mentioned this, but they do affect your thinking in a big way. What comes through the eyes and ears will settle in the mind. So with that in mind, that means your music and movies should fall into these categories as well. Upon salvation, you shouldn't listen to the things you used to listen to. Upon salvation, you shouldn't watch the things that you used to watch. Things that will corrupt your mind, virtue and praise. The word virtue means moral excellence, which keeping your heart on the, all these things will keep your mind virtuous. Keeping your mind on things will keep, of praise will keep it positive, and it's, it's vital that we as Christians are positive. Now, why did he list all these? We talked about it briefly, but, but Jesus, through Paul, listed these for us as Christians to use as a filter for our thoughts, which are inherently will affect your actions. I want to give you an idea what I, of what I mean here today, a little visual aid, kind of help you get what I'm saying. I brought with me a filter. It's an air filter, a little something. It's used somewhere in the church. And, and, this, and this filter is, is kind of an idea of, of, what I, of what I want to help you see today. And this filter represents what we just read. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. The point of this, I believe it's an air filter. It's to filter out the air as things are coming through. It stops that dirt. It stops that grime. It stops that dust before it ever even enters our air so we can breathe, right? So the point of this is when that music comes on the radio, is this pure? When that movie comes on that you know you shouldn't watch, is this lovely? When that thing comes on the internet that you know you shouldn't be looking at it, you know you shouldn't be looking at that, is this of good report? And the idea is it stops it before it ever even has the chance to enter into your mind. And that's the idea I want to give you tonight. That's the filter that we have laid out for us tonight. You can stop these things from even entering your mind if you're using this filter. We'll mess up. We're not perfect, but by using this filter, we can minimize mistakes in our life and maximize obedience. We can achieve moral excellence by properly using this filter that's laid out for us in the text tonight. But what will this do for us? A side note, this is, uh, we're going to go into verse 9 in a second here, but just a side note, I wanted to put this in here. This is a point. Uh, it's crucial to follow instruction if we are going to enjoy the rewards of God. In these few verses, the format is presenting the problem, presenting the instruction, and, and the effect of following the instruction, which is the solution, what happens. But we cannot have the solution if we don't follow the instruction. We cannot have the peace of God if we never bring our problems to God. We cannot have the, the God of peace if we never use that filter that's laid out for us, if we don't keep our mind, hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And we as a society love shortcuts, don't we? We, we heard the illustration this morning about the, the protein powder, trying to get big quick, right? We want to work out, we want to get big, we want to get buff, but we don't want to work out. We, I can't remember the exact phrase, um, big in a bottle, something like that, right? The powder. We want to work out, but or we want to get big, we want to get fit, but we don't want to work out. We want to win souls for Christ, but we won't, we won't talk to our coworkers, we won't hand out that track, we won't knock on that door. So it's crucial to follow the instruction if you want the solution. And, 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 and that applies with, with the message today. If you're not going to follow the instruction, don't expect the peace of God. I wanted to put that in there. That was free for you guys today. Um, so we're going to go to verse 9 here. Verse 9. 
So, well, what will this filter do for us? Jesus says that following these instructions will result, re- result in the God of peace being with you. What does the God of peace mean? In verse 7, the effect of obedience is the peace of God. In this verse, is the God of peace. What's the difference? The God of peace is the supplier of the peace of God. God is the source of contentment. God is the supplier and, and source of peace. Having the God of peace with you is, is having unlimited supply of peace at any given time. It's, it's a constant feeling of contentment, living a life where, you're, where God is your constant source of tranquility. We see the God of peace in the first chapters of the Bible. God is peace. In the, in the most natural sense, we think of peace as order. Remember the, the first words of the Bible, in the beginning, God. And then the text goes on to say, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In the subsequent verses, God speaks creation into existence. He brings about order. And through His creative word, He, he orderly brings His creation into order. The, this, result, this reflects Him as the God of peace. It's who He is. He's a God of peace. The world gives us a lot of reason to fear. Anxiety is, runs rampant in our society today. The world will tell you the, the solution lies with following your heart. The world will tell you the solution lies with seeking happiness. The world will tell you the solution is drugs. The world will tell you the solution is therapists. The world will tell you the solution is all these things that, 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 that they try to find, but God tells us different. God tells us the solution is casting our burdens upon Him. God tells us the solution is filtering our thoughts through Him. God tells us the solution is going to Him in prayer. And that solution is going to work better than the world. I guarantee you that. At the end of the day, it comes down to total and utter dependence on God. Putting all your worrying on Him. Filtering all the thoughts you have through the filter that Paul laid out for us tonight. And that's how you find peace. That's how you live in a world with so much fear, carefree. And if you're here tonight and you're not saved and you don't have the peace of God, you can have that today. For you, the peace of God is having eternal security. Having your future secured because of the price that Jesus paid. You can't have the peace of God if you're living in a life where the ultimate result is is an eternity in hell, an eternity of fire, an eternity of damnation. You don't have to worry about tomorrow because no matter what tomorrow holds, you have the security that if you die, you'll go to heaven. You don't have that if you're not saved. So take that step today. Talk to someone today. This is your eternal security because your life is just a blip in time. It's quick. And if you don't have eternal security, you're living a pointless life. Go to God about that today. There is instruction you must, must follow, but to live a life carefree and, and worry-free is so worth it. To live where your circumstances don't dictate your attitude and they don't dictate how you feel is a beautiful thing. You asked in the beginning, how did Paul go through this? How did Paul go through all this that, that, that was happening in his life? Everything that was affecting him, all his circumstances, everything crashing down around him. How did Paul go through all that and, and not complain and not share his circumstances and not tell them this is wrong and this is wrong, but only offer them solution? How did he do that? Paul had the peace of God. Paul had the God of peace. He gives us the method. The method. The world gives us a reason to fear, but our God gives us a reason to have peace. Bring it all to God. Filter your hearts through the filter He gave us. And that's the key, the key to overcoming fear with peace. That's all I have for you guys. Now I'm going to close in a word of prayer. 
Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've done for us today. Thank you for speaking to me, Lord. Give me the words to say. Give me the calmness to say it. Um, I just thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for everything you've done for this church, Lord, and, and the constant blessings you reign upon it. And um, pray for this this trip we have tomorrow and, and open the hearts of these young people, Lord. Open the hearts of me and, and pastor even, Lord. And pray for us to have a good week and a safe week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.